Thank you, Ms. Hawkins. That's a, that song kind of goes hand in hand, I think, with the message tonight. Uh, when we, uh, You'll be able to see that a little bit later on. I was walking down the hall and coming into the auditorium, and my notes was hanging out of my Bible because I have to have such large notes. And, uh, yep, yeah, he did. Uh, Mr. Hoffnick over there says, my goodness, Ted, what number font is that on your notes? <laughs> I said, it's 22, and I'd like to have it bigger than that. But uh, that's what it is. As a matter of fact, I have to have my glasses sometimes, too. Take your copy of God's Word, if you would, please, and turn to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings, chapter 17. 1 Kings, chapter 17. With your permission, I'd like to read the entire chapter there. And probably without your permission, I'm going to read the entire chapter. I want to give something to you. I hope that you'll be able to be a blessing to you. I remember one time years ago going to listen to B.R. Lakin and what a prince of preacher he was. And um, he always uh, said, he said, I want to give something to you that you can hang your hat on. And I like that little thought give you something that you can hang your hat on. When you come home from work after a long day work and, and uh, grind or wherever you, wherever you work, you come home and you take your hat off and you kind of hang it there on where you hang all your hats and you're done for the day and you felt satisfied and, and tired and good, but it was something that you could hang your hat on. And so that's what I hope uh, tonight that will happen. And so let's uh, go ahead and we'll get started and we'll read the entire chapter of 1 Kings chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward. This is God's word talking to uh, Elijah. And hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to, unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. 
And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. I want to draw your attention to two specific verses in which I take the title of my message tonight. In verse 4, it says, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And then in verse 9, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there, because I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. If I were to title this message, it'd be kind of like a question. Am I there at God's there? Am I there at God's there? Would you help me say that together? Am I there 
at God's there. Now, half, half of you did it and half of you didn't. So let's try it one more time. Am I there at God's there? That's an interesting thing. Because God had told uh, Elijah some strange things here and had him do some strange things. But before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. God in heaven, help us tonight. I need you. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your power. I pray you'll be with our pastor. He needs your strength. He needs your power too. I pray that you might give him a great meeting over there at Brother Joel Young's church. I pray that you'll give us a great meeting here tonight in this church. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. When you take a trip, long or short, with your kids, it's inevitable. It is inevitable that they're going to ask the question, do you know what it is? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I don't know how many times that I have heard that. Are we there? It doesn't make any difference. If you're going to McDonald's, they ask, are, you th are we there? Are we almost there yet? I, I'll, I'll relay this to you. I might have related to a couple of folks uh, it was back during the time of Father's Day. And they were, this fellow was telling about how, how his, he had the worst father of all. He said, I remember when we was kids growing up, he said, we'd be riding around and said, uh, we would see a McDonald's arches. And we'd all, all of us kids in the back seat, we'd start hollering, McDonald's, 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 McDonald's. And we'd keep hollering, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. And so finally, Dad pulled into the, into the uh, uh, parking lot of McDonald's into the drive-thru. And they started saying, yay, yay, yay. And he pulled up to the drive-thru, got him a cup of coffee, and left. <laughs> now, that would be cruel, wouldn't it? I could never see myself doing that, I don't think, to my kids. I'd be hung out to dry. But we find here that uh, kids will say, are we there yet? Have you ever been to an exciting place like Niagara Falls, Washington, D.C., Alaska, Hawaii, Mount Rushmore? And then whenever you're in conversation with someone and uh, you ask him, well, have you been there because it was a wonderful time that you had when you were at those places. And my sister, uh, baby sister, she's been to Alaska several times. And she said, Ted, you've got to go to Alaska. And I said, you've got to go there. And I said, well, maybe one of these days I will. But she, she loves it. But uh, we always talk about, have you been there? Well, now here in our text, we find that... Um, in the 16th chapter and before, we find that the northern kingdom of Israel had already had seven kings. And in Israel, you can bank on it that all of just about all of the kings in the northern kingdom were evil kings. They were dirty, rotten kings. Uh, when the kingdom split after Solomon died, Jeroboam was first, then Nadah, then Baasha, and then Elah, then Zimri, and then Omri, and now Ahab was the king. 
And the Bible says back, if you'll take a look with me in chapter 16, chapter 16 and verse 30, this is what the Bible says about Ahab. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And verse 33, and Ahab made a grove and Ahab did more. This is interesting. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. He started worshiping the idol, the false god of Baal, probably because of who he married, wicked Jezebel. And we find here that, uh, uh, that he was uh, uh, serving a, 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 a pagan god and God had already pronounced judgment on them. If you would, take your Bible and turn with me back to the book of Deuteronomy. And we'll take a look here real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And uh, I'll give you time to get there. But God uh, lays out some things here that whenever they disobeyed God, in verse 15 it says, But it shall come to pass, Deuteronomy chapter 20, 28, verse 15, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now we're not going to read that. I want to drop down. To, uh, verse 22, and the Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish and thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust from heaven. It shall come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. Now, we find here in first, uh, in first Kings chapter 17 and verse one, this is the first mention of Elijah. Elijah is one of my favorite characters, one of my favorite characters of the Old Testament. I mean, he was, a, he was an absolute tremendous, tremendous prophet of God. Now the name Elijah means the Lord is my God. Now here in first Kings chapter 17, he appears, as I said, for the very first time. It's like he just dropped down. God just brings him on the scene. We don't know where he come from. We don't know his daddy's name. We don't know anything about him, except now God has given him the office of being the prophet of God, and he sends him to wicked Ahab to pronounce judgment on him. He said, now listen, y'all are wicked. You've been, you've been worshiping a false god. And I'm, I'm going to send a drought here. Uh, and the Bible talks about how in about three and a half years. Now, <clears throat> it's interesting. I don't know. I guess it was probably frightening for them to see um, Elijah for the very first time. Because over in 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 1 and verse 8, it kind of gives a description of what, what Elijah looked like. It tells us that he was a hairy man. Now... I've read a lot of different commentators on that and they just always kind of brush it off and say, well, you know, he had, uh, 
he had like a, a hairy animal skins about him, and then he had a girdle or a belt that went around him, and it held that, uh, that animal skin up against him, and that's what he looked. You know, he, it, it, that was why it was called hairy. No, look here. The word hairy, when you look it up, it says the opposite of Ted Woody. <laughs> that's what it says. No, really, it doesn't say that. It says possessor of hair. That's what it says. Now, we had a, I had, we had a fellow that I went to, to, to Bible college with, and his name was Jerry Harrington. But that man was the most hairy fella that I think I've ever seen. And we called him, his name was Jerry Harrington. We called him Harry Jerrington. He almost made me believe in evolution. He was hairy. He could shave in the morning, and, and by 10 o'clock, he had a 5 o'clock shadow. He had hair on, black hair. He had black hair on top of his head, run all the way down. He had, he had hair on top of his ear, and he had it running down his neck. And he, he had it everywhere. I mean, everywhere. He had black hair. It was amazing. And, uh, and, and I, I, you can believe what you want to believe, but I kind of believe that maybe that's kind of what uh, Elijah kind of looked like. And he had, a, uh, he had some kind of an inside robe on, and he, and he had this girdle on that wrapped around him, and a, a belt that wrapped around and held everything together. But now he was a hairy man, and, and whenever he showed up on the scene, it was kind of scary. And he told Ahab, look here what he says here in verse 1. And uh, he said, said unto Ahab, Elijah the Tishbite said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And then the Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, that is, uh, Elijah said, Okay, get out of here. Get thee hence. You want me to tell you why? Because Ahab and his wife Jezebel put an APB out on Elijah. All points bulletin. You find, Ahab, you, you find Elijah, you bring him back to me. We're going to make him sorry that he ever showed up on the scene. And we find here that God says, I want you to get up and I want you to go to eastward. And I want you to hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is just before Jordan. So in other words, he's on the east side of Jordan. And the Bible says in verse 4, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now let me just say this. You're always in the safest place when you go to where God's there is. It doesn't matter what's going on in the rest of the world. It doesn't matter that they're out looking for you. But if God tells you to go there, and you go there, and you do what God wants you to do, you're safe. He said, I want you to drink out of that water, the brook Cherith. And said, I'm going to feed you. The ravens are going to come and feed you. 
And now I want you to see here in verse, uh, in verse uh, 5, it says, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And, uh, 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 and, uh, and he drank of the brook, and it came to pass after a while. The brook dried up. We'll say, talk about that here in just a moment. But God said, for you, I want you to head over there and do that. Now, Cherith, the brook Cherith is in the middle between the Sea of Galilee. If I had a map here, you'd see, you'd see the Sea of Galilee up here, and you'd have the Dead Sea down here, and you got the Jordan River that kind of runs in between. And uh, the brook Cherith kind of runs off to the east side of the Jordan River. You say, where did the Jordan originate? It originated up above the Sea of Galilee, open Mount Hermon, up in Mount Hermon, when it snowed and the snow melted, it came down and it started the Jordan River. And the Jordan River came down and went through the Sea of Galilee, came all the way down and went to the Dead Sea. And since the Dead Sea didn't have an outlet, it just died. <laughs> Everything died. In the Dead Sea, it had no outlet for it. Now, it's amazing that what happened is that because it's the Dead Sea, there was a large amount of salt that was there. See, all water's got a certain amount of salt in it. But when the water got down to the Dead Sea, and, and, and those students that were in, is in my, my class, they are, this, is, this stuff they already know because they're really smart. And... Um, and, and, and did you know that every day, this is an amazing fact, every day out of the Dead Sea, there's 7 million tons of water evaporated out of the, out of the Dead Sea. Every day. And it leaves all that salt there. And uh, we find that uh, Cherith is just north of there. And uh, we find that uh, uh, Cherith has a certain meaning. Uh, uh, Cherith, let me see here what I've got here. Oh, yeah. Cherith means, um, where am I at here? Man, I got way ahead in my note. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going faster than I thought I was. All right. He said, drink the, oh, yeah. He said, drink the water. I didn't even, I missed this part. He said, drink the water. Here in verse, uh, thou shalt drink of the brook. Drink the water. Do you know what? That water's better. <clears throat> that water's better than Rule King's bottled water. It's better than Walmart's water. Now they brought them. Uh, uh, the the, uh, uh, the ravens brought them. It says here. Uh, it says they brought the, them uh, uh, bread and flesh, and there was berries and figs and probably doves because ravens like to eat doves and pigeons, and so they probably brought him some pigeon meat and some dove meat, and which he probably cooked, no doubt. And so we find here that uh, he was taken care of, and my goodness, he was taken care of better than Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub and didn't have to tip them either. Now, that's a wonderful thing. He really had, a, he really had a, a pretty good gig going, didn't he? But Cherith means, now look, get this, because God wanted him to go to Cherith. There, Cherith means to cut away or to cut up or to cut off. You know why God had Elijah to go there? Now, we don't know anything about Elijah, but God knows everything about Elijah. 
So God sent him to Cherith because there were some things that, that Elijah had to cut out. And there's some things maybe that you need to cut out when you get to your brook Cherith. I don't know. Perhaps maybe Elijah thought he was tough enough. Perhaps he thought he was <clears throat> brave enough. Perhaps he thought he was smart enough. Perhaps maybe he was strong enough and that he could take care of himself. But it was there at the brook Cherith that he learned to depend on the Lord for his sustenance. Listen carefully, and you probably already know this, but I'm going to remind you of it anyway. Everything we have, our jobs, our houses, our vehicles, our food, our health, our family, our children, it all comes from God. It all comes from Him. And I think maybe that, uh, that God had to remind Elijah about that. And he's cutting some things out of Elijah's life that we don't even know. But he had to go there for God to feed him and to protect him and to help him to rely on God more. A uh, short time ago, I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen her in a while at church. And I, I said, hey, uh, I hope I can see you Sunday in church. And they replied, I'll be there. I'm still waiting for him to be there. Now, come church time, you know, come church time, we ought to be there. You know, Hebrews 10, 25, forsaking not the assembling, uh, uh, assembling of ourselves together as one, uh, 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 the, in the manner of, let me see here. Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, <clears throat> aren't you glad? I better stay here because I don't have that thing on me. Aren't you glad that we don't live back in 1610 in the state of Virginia and that we're not Puritans? Because did you know back in 1610 in Virginia, in the United States of America here, in the good old USA, or at least America at that time, that the Puritans believed that if you missed two Sundays in a row, you got a whooping. Didn't make any difference how old you were. If you missed three Sundays in a row, they executed you. Man, I'm glad I'm not a Puritan. I'm glad I didn't live back in 1610. I'm glad I don't live in Virginia. Obviously, Virginia's not for lovers. Amen? <laughs> now, we find here that that's what, they, that's what they believe. But you know what? We're supposed to be there in church because God wants us to be. Now, if you're not there where God instructs you to be, then you're there where you're not supposed to be. Now, that, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, but that's it. If you're not there where God instructs you to be, uh, you are not there where you're not supposed to be. Now, um, it, uh, Elijah really got close to God there. When he was there, he got real close to God. 
He had to depend on God to send them ravens every day. He had to depend on God to uh, make sure that that brook still flowed at Cherith. He had to depend on God. But then all of a sudden, the brook dries up. Verse 17. It says, uh, excuse me, it's not 17. Yeah, but when the brook dries up, God has another there for him. Uh, We find that uh, in verse, excuse me, uh, uh, back up here in verse 8, excuse me, in verse 9. Arise and get thee the Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to sustain thee. You see, when God has finished with you at one there, he'll send you to another there. And I don't know what God, what lesson God has got for you that he's trying to teach you at that there where you're at. But you need to listen. I don't know what it is. Your there is different than my there. My there is different than your there. We're, we all have different theirs, but as long as we're at where God's there is, that's the important thing. And then God can teach us some things and help us. And he says, now the brook dried up, and so now we find that he, God says, I, I want you to go to Zarephath. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. Did you know that Zarephath is 85 miles from Cherith? 85 miles, and here's the kicker, and I didn't know this until I did a little study. Here's the kicker. Zarephath is the hometown of Jezebel. (laughs) And so God says, I want you to go to Zarephath. And I I I have a widow woman there who will sustain thee. And so he goes 85 miles, and he doesn't question God. He knows that he's got a, a bounty on his head. But he goes there because God sustained him there at Cherith. God's going to sustain him up at Zarephath. And so he goes up to Zarephath. And he sees this widow woman. And here we find here that uh, they have a conversation. And it's really kind of a, they kind of have a little thing here going about, uh, about it being little. I, I, I looked at, if you'll look at your Bible real closely, he arrives and the conversation starts in verse 10. So so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he got to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water. Verse 10. And then he says, oh, while she goes to get him a, a, a little bit of water, he says, oh, yeah, by the way, bring me a morsel of bread, which means a bit. Bring me a little water and a little bit of, of, of bread. And she says... I don't have a cake. All I've got is a little handful of meal, and all I've got is a little oil, and I've got two little sticks. I'm going to make a fire, make some cakes, and we're going to eat it, my son and I, and we're going to die after that because the the drought affected them as well. And Elijah says in verse 13, don't fear, do what you're going to do, but make me a little cake first. And bring it to me, because till it rains, God said, your barrel of meal will not be empty. 
and your cruise of oil will always have some in it. He didn't fill it up all the way. God could have, God could have filled the barrel up completely with meal. And he could have filled the, uh, the, the cruise uh, there uh, 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 completely full of oil, but he didn't do that. There was always just enough every day. And with God, when you're at God's there, there'll always be enough. Everything was going to be okay. It was. But here's an interesting thing. Tragedy stri uh, strikes while he's there with that widow at Zarephath. And I noticed something that in each episode, in the, there's three episodes in this 17th chapter. Each one is confronted with an increasingly more difficult problem. The first one was that uh, uh, there was no way to get anything to eat to sustain him, but God takes care of him. The second one was the widow woman didn't have enough food except for her and her son, but God took care of him. And then here now we find that the widow woman's son dies in her arms. And she starts blaming the man of God and says, you're just, you're just making me, you're making me think of, of all these sins that I had uh, in the past and bringing those things up. And you're making me do all that. And, and, and I, just, I, I don't know if I can handle it or not. And the prophet Elijah says, give me your baby. Give me that little child. And he took him upstairs to the room and he laid him on his bed. And the Bible says that he leaned over him three times, laid over him three times. You say, why? Uh, body, soul, and spirit. Father, son, and Holy Ghost. And he said, God, Please, please let his soul come back into his body. And he did. Now, God was doing something for him because he's getting him ready. He's getting ready to face some more difficult things later on in the book of 1 Kings. He's going to have to face those 450 prophets of Baal. He's going to have to run away and hide from a Jezebel who's going to go. You know, he just thought he was tough. He just thought he was strong enough. You see? But he was there where he needed to be at this particular time. Now, I want to stop, and I'm going to give you this illustration, and I'm done. Several years ago, I used to go out to Utah to my friend Marshall Warnicke. He and I went to Bible college together. And I used to go out to his... Uh, uh, his missions conference and he'd have me speak and, and sing out there. And, and um, I always had to take extra money with me when I went because he brought these missionaries in and he would say, now this brother needs this and this brother needs that and this brother needs this. And before you know it, all my money was gone. And so, uh, uh, and so I, I'll never forget the, the one year I, I went and, and I'd just given, I'd given, I, I, that, that year I took $1,000 extra. And I thought, that's going to be enough. And, and, and then it, it got to be the next, the last day, and, 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 and it, I'd given just about all of it enough. I had just enough cash to get me home. I was going to spend the night, and, and we was going to kind of, me and Russell Williams and Marshall Warnicke, we'd all went to school together and buddies, so we was going to take a little drive up in, in the end of the mountains there. And so when we did, he, at Marshall says, 
let's go over and stop by this church over here. But prior to that, on that night before, there was one fella that, that he presented his need. And I, I had just enough money, you know, and, and God says, now I want you to give him that money. And I said, man, I can't give him that money. God, that's all the money I have, cash, to get me home on. And you know what God said? Go to the ATM. I said, really? really? And he said, yeah. I said, well, okay, if I, if, I, if I see him after church. And so I kind of avoided him after church. And I missed him altogether. And that night I went back to the motel room and I said, man, I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, I missed him. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, it's crazy. So we got the next morning, we, uh, the Rhea Fripps guys, you know, preachers, we started going around. And, and, and Marshall said, I want to stop by this, this little old town up here north of Salt Lake City and said, I want to see this fellow to see how his work's doing. So we stopped in there and we pulled in there and uh, we're sitting there talking to him. And up out of the basement of the church comes this fellow. He didn't have enough money to get a motel room. He was staying in the basement of this church so he could go to the meeting. And God said, going to give it to him now? I said, yes, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to. You see, that man was where he was at God's there. And I didn't know it, but God brought me to his there. And so at that there, and they were all kind of talking, and I pulled him aside, and, and I said, listen, God told me I was supposed to give this to you last night, but I'll be honest with you, I kind of skirted around you. I said, and I apologize, and he started crying. He said, preacher, he said, I did not know if I had enough gas money to get home on but this is going to do it you see he was at God's there and God made sure that I got to God's there and he'll do the same for you if you'll just listen to him and we will see God doing some wonderful things in our lives let's bow our heads